0: It was really neat um, it, and there's there's a bigger story behind that because I had auditioned the previous year and I was su- super confident in my in my entry and my dad and I we wrote this uh, this whole this whole bit uh, filmed it uh, it was perfect thing was great S- submitted it I said I'm totally gonna win it this year and I didn't get it um, and I was really down on my luck because I said well if I didn't get it that year I'm not gonna get it um, I thought my technique was good I thought the video met all the requirements um, but I said, you know, don't be discouraged, you know, it takes, you know, just hanging there. And so the next year rolled around and I really didn't want to do it, I, you know, and my dad kind of convinced me and he said, you know what, I'm not gonna force you to do this, but I think you should do it. I think it'll be worth your time, just just try it again. And I said, okay. And I did, I put 110% effort into making the video and the content of the video. And I won that year. And I was surprised because the, uh, when you win the scholarship, uh, it includes uh, two tickets to the Ventriloquist Convention. So I, my dad and I, we attended that that year, that summer. And uh, you get some other prizes as well. And so the winning was, uh, was a real um, lesson in not giving up.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Applaudable.net. G'day everyone, Craig from People with a Passion, and today's guest is a ventriloquist who won the Terry Fader Scholarship in 2016. As part of that prize, he received two tickets to the Van Haven Convention, where he was a late entrant into the Junior Mike competition. Same year, he won that competition, and he returned in 2017 to win it, and again in 2018 to also take out the Junior Mike competition at that convention, For the last two years, he's been working on puppet making and he's made many of the characters that now exist in his sets and shows. He's on his trajectory to becoming a professional ventriloquist and he's also studying business at college. Uh, We're about to meet Landon Harvey and some of his characters. Please sit and enjoy this episode
2: of People with a Passion.
1: going to start, uh, I normally take my guests back to when they were a child, which for you, you're 19 years old, so it's not going to be too, yeah. <laughs> too far back.
0: Not, not too much of a, of a journey back. So I uh, started when I was six years old. Uh, I was super introverted as a kid. Um, I still am a kid. I'm 19, um, but, you know, more so back then. And um, my dad goes on trips. For his work, and he brought back a pirate puppet. When I was six years old, I put on that puppet and I gave it a voice, and I named it, later named it Chips Ahoy. And I would do little shows for my classmates. Uh, I really enjoyed the attention I was getting because it was on the puppet, but I could also kind of make jokes, and it was a it was a neat thing that I was that I was new to, I guess. Um, so I toyed with that. I took Chips Ahoy, and I would do more bits for my friends. I, I later did um, Thanksgiving parties, things like that. Holidays for my family, I'd pull out a puppet and do a little bit with it. Um, and in when I started, it was more about being technically polished, so being able to do certain, say certain words, and and uh, as well as keep the puppet alive. Um, mm. Right now, it's more like what's what's the comedy. Uh, but it, you just you grow and you learn what you need to put emphasis on.
1: Mm, So talking a little bit about the techniques there, I think a lot of people have tried ventriloquism in the sense of just had to play with it themselves, trying to say things without moving their lips. I know as a a kid, I had a crack at just not with a puppet, just trying it. And there are some letters that are hard to actually uh, pronounce without moving the lips. So how do you practice to try and achieve that, that, those harder, more difficult enunciation yeah
0: yeah you know it's exactly it's exactly what you say it's practice Uh, there's there's certain ways that they teach you in books and uh, courses where you can uh, substitute certain letters for other letters that sound similar to them Um, so versus saying Peter Piper you'd say uh, Dieter Diaper but you'd say it like you'd think Peter Piper when you say it and oh through that repetition and that practice it it it, uh, it comes through very well and it sounds like Peter Piper um I did that for a while and then I kind of found my own way of of doing it where it's just tongue positioning in your mouth and, and the way that you, that you uh, uh, take in air before you say a certain word, Um, you know, and and that's been a big thing in my TikToks and I want to make sure that I can say any word I possibly, you know, I need for a joke or whatever. That way I don't have to be limited by what I can say. Um, So it's, it's really uh it's a lot of practice. I've been practicing for 13 years. Mm. <laughs> I've been doing ventriloquism professionally for audiences for the past 2. So, I've had a lot of practice in comparison to, you know, w- at the point where I thought that I was worthy of being paid for my craft
1: i saw that there are videos up of of you when you were younger on youtube which i might share some snippets of those that your dad's taken from audiences and things at your school and things like that uh which how how do you approach like one of the greatest fears people have is getting in front of other people in an audience how do you approach Mm -hmm. doing that and at a young age such a young age
0: you know it's it's weird i think i think um I think it kind of goes back to the practice thing. It's Some people just love being in front of an audience. I was in theater when I was younger too, uh, and throughout middle school as well. Um, And that kind of tied in, I would play. I played Lumiere and like Beauty and the Beast and and things like that, uh, where I I got a sense of feeling comfortable on stage. Um, I'm okay with being the center of attention at times and then I'm and then when I'm not I'm working on a puppet or doing something where which is totally just me and I'm I'm in you know a different different focus so um, being able to put all my energy into uh, warming up a crowd and making them feel good and making them laugh um, it energizes me and the response I get from the crowd also fuels me throughout the show um, in terms of you know what I do maybe before I go on I really don't have a ritual or anything like that I just um, I just kind of get ready for the crowd and, um, and I, you know, look at the audience, make sure, you know, that's a big thing too is I make sure my characters, I have different puppets for different audiences. Um, of course. So I, as a puppet builder, I I build them to fit that need. Um, and you know, it's a lot of uh, videotaping myself as well, because I find that if I can videotape myself and look back over it and say, okay, this would work. Um, how would it apply with an audience setting? And a lot of the times I'm I'm confident in my material, but I'm a lot more confident after or in the middle of when I'm performing it because you get that instant audience reaction that you don't get from, you know, when you're videoing it or even from a TikTok, hmm. you know, which is a whole different beast on itself is putting up jokes on TikTok. So it's a little different.
1: So you actually had some early success too. You were the Terry Fader scholarship recipient in 2016. And what yes. was that? recognition for you when you know you said you've been prof- professional two years but that's an early recognition and quite a, a hard sort of scholarship i understand in your industry to sort of be a winner of or a recipient of
2: yeah it was
0: really it was really neat um it, and there's there's a bigger story behind that because i had auditioned the previous year and i was super confident in my in my entry and my dad and i we wrote this uh, this whole this whole bet uh Filmed it, uh, it was perfect. Thing was great. S- submitted it. I said I'm totally gonna win it this year, and I didn't get it. Um, and I was really down on my luck because I said, well, if I didn't get it that year, I'm not gonna get it. Um, I thought my technique was good. I thought the video met all the requirements. Um, but I said, you know, don't be discouraged. You know, it takes. You know, hang in there. And so the next year rolled around, and I really didn't want to do it. I you know, and my dad kind of convinced me and he said, you know what, I'm not going to force you to do this, but I think you should do it. I think it'll be worth your time. Just, just try it again. And I said, okay. And I did, I put 110% effort into making the video and the content of the video. And I won that year. And I was surprised because the, uh, when you win the scholarship, uh, it includes uh, two tickets to the ventriloquist convention. So I, my dad and I, we attended that that year, that summer, and uh, you get some other prizes as well. And so the winning was uh, was a real um, lesson in not giving up. Um, hmm. And it's definitely something I take today, whether I'm introducing a new bit and I have to keep keep working on the bit versus just trash it, um, or if it's uh, you know uh, growing my TikTok and the uh, you know trials and tribulations that that that
1: brings up so in 2016 you attend the convention it was at the vent haven convention or is that a different yes convention?
2: yeah okay. that was the, the so, convention.
1: so you became a late entrance to that and uh, junior Mike winner of 2016 2017 2018 so I did, yeah so you are uh, the scholarship got the foot in the door at the convention and then you competed and had judges judge your performance and peers in front of peers and uh, enthusiasts
0: that's correct that's correct and in the it's 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 such a funny story because i went from uh, and i had known about the convention for years since i was i was very young but you know as my dad's told me he's like he's like i'm not gonna hand you everything you have to work for it and i have and uh so from winning the terry fader scholarship i went to the convention that year and, and i really wanted to perform uh they have a junior mic competition and they have just a general open mic and so uh my dad and i walked up to bob rumba who runs the general open mic and we're we're trying to get a slot where i could perform and he said well you don't want to be on my show i just heckle you and then you do your bet and you go off and he said that jokingly but he said let me see if i can get you on the junior show so i ended up being the very last kid on the junior show uh they introduced me as being the scholarship winner for uh, the for the terry fader scholarship and I went up there, uh, did my bit with Scooter that was the first bit I ever did on stage, um, which is also on YouTube, the first, the first one, uh, which I did for, my, uh, for a choir concert. It was like an intermission during a choir concert, and I was asked to fill like six minutes.
3: You know, I actually have another idea. Really? Another one? Yes, another one. I was thinking that we could sing a song together. Really? Uh-huh. Uh, what song? Well, it has to be a classic, something, everyone, something everyone knows, right? Uh, so I was thinking, row 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 your boat. Huh? You didn't hear me singing row 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 your boat. Are you serious? we're well, <laughs> right here at the annual 30th anniversary of the... Uh, Lincoln- <laughs> Oh? Yeah, we'll sing it together. I'll sing the first person, I'll punch you, and you can sing the last. Okay. Uh-huh. Now that you're at a dude and under the confidence, we talked about this. Okay. <laughs> row, row, row your boat. Get like a machine. No, 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 no. What, <laughs> what, 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 what was that? Row, row, row your boat. Right, but you were singing very quickly. It well, was going down a fast stream. <laughs> A a waterfall. (laughs) Oh, wait, you said it's going down a waterfall? Yeah. Oh, like Niagara Falls? I guess. Or like the the Amazon, Rocky Cliffs, and a jungle all about movements and vines. And where are you going with this? Come back home, Tarzan. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sort of got a little carried away there. Yeah, you did. Like the waterfall. (laughs) So Soosh. (laughs) (laughs) look there you are (laughs) um
0: and i did that bit and they really enjoyed it and i won that year and so i did it for the next two years and i won at first place and uh so it's it's been a lot of fun and uh i don't think anyone else has uh done that except for which i found out recently jeff dunham is the only other Mm. one who's ever done that he did that when he was uh A teenager in the junior competition.
1: Okay, so that's that's pretty good. So that's sort of people in your industry are are feeling you're on a trajectory to have a future in it. Yeah, company. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about the industry and the mentorship that that you've gained. Obviously, the convention's a good place to interact with other uh, ventriloquists, and we will hopefully. Is Scooter with you today? Do you have him there, or is he is he around?
0: Um, Scooter is actually away. Uh, but I do have some other characters.
1: We'll 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 meet some of those characters now. Yeah, awesome. You you've gone into puppet making too, so we'll talk about that a little bit later too. Uh, so you're you're really loving this and making a career out of it. That's why I actually, uh, you know, approached you for people with a passion because yeah. one of the things I, I I like to see is where people turn their child's play into their work at a later <laughs> life. So you're you're right. a great example of of that happening and you see it in sport and things like that where people pursue what they love or dance or or music and things ventriloquism's not uh as common as those things it's not what i think a lot of people thinking at a young age i love that i potentially want to do that as a career i imagine
0: oh no i'm the only ventriloquist i mean the other the only other ventriloquist is his name is dennis lee and he lives in the dfw area but uh he he's a uh, he's an adult and he's a professional. I'm a I'm a professional but I'm a kid and it's different and hmm. so I'm I'm still learning. But uh but yeah, the ventriloquism is not a uh, you know an, an ordinary thing. Um I think I did soccer when I was younger, but uh you know just uh it's uh you know my calling. I feel like it's my calling and I'm doing everything I can to uh pursue it. So
1: so, yeah. so you mentioned that van triloquist in your area, who are some of the uh-huh. mentors now that have come into your life uh, through those conferences and conventions and things that are helping you sure. master the craft?
0: Sure. So in uh, my my senior year of high school, I was in a program, it was a class called ISM, and it stood for Independent Study and Mentorship. And in that program, uh, you had a mentor and you followed uh, with your mentor throughout that uh, block of a year and you had a presentation at the end that kind of summarized what you learned that year and you had kids that were you know their mentors were doctors or psychologists and then over here you had this puppet boy which is why they let me in because they wanted to see okay this will be interesting let's see what the puppet kid's gonna do so um i reached out to the man who inspired me to be a ventriloquist in the first place his name dennis lee Uh, It's Dennis Lee Productions, and he is a family and children's ventriloquist, uh, and he does church shows and school shows and fairs and things like that around the DFW and outside the DFW area. And I had seen him perform when I was five years old at my elementary school. And so my senior year of high school, I was able to go on mentor visits with him, which is I would see him perform. Uh, I talked to him, and I learned about the importance of, like, set design. He's got a really uh, great set every year and he has a different show as well as keeping things fresh within his show. He just, he's taught me a lot about uh, what it takes knowing, understanding your market and also understanding your journey.
1: So you talk about Dennis Lee as being a mentor and you said he works in the space of families, churches and community fairs and things like that. You've started on that path too. And I've noticed that you're doing similar sort of things. You block parties and you use it. You're doing nursing homes as well. I've seen your things, how some of your puppets, which I I don't know who you're going to introduce us to character wise today, whether you're going to introduce us to Mervyn, but you've got a couple of uh, puppets that are, let's just say, more senior citizens and and they're ones you've created. What has inspired those puppets and why the Veterans Homes?
0: Yeah, that's a a great question. Mervin, uh, which he's here. If you would, you like to meet him? Yeah,
1: just give us a introduction.
0: Okay, sure. Uh, so Mervin, uh, I created him. Uh, he's the fir- the first puppet I ever built, and he was big enough to where he would fit on one of those uh, uh, senior scooters. And I did a video with him, and I was trying to sell him. He was a very crude puppet. There was no chance mm-hmm. I was going to sell him. But and of course, no one bought him. But I I kept the idea of that puppet. And I thought, that's a really funny idea. And I went through a few different versions of the puppet, rebuilding it, uh, as I learned puppet building and better techniques to make it look better. And I thought, okay, well, what is this character going to be? And so my dad and I, we started writing jokes back and forth about what Mervyn was. Um, I've seen other ventriloquists like Jeff Dunn. He is an older character, uh, Walter. But I didn't want, I wanted to stay away from the curmudgeon, kind of angry, kind of old man Mm -hmm. type, which is so typical. Um, after Jeff did it, a lot of people copied that type of style. So I wanted to be my own and kind of do something different. So I thought, what if he was an old man, but he was like more like a ladies' man, and so he's flirting with women and 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 this and that and that that character works perfectly because I have a whole bit where he's you know trying to flirt with a woman and he has to put in his teeth and his on his toupee and it's it's a lot of great fun and it's a perfect opportunity for audience involvement and that's where it comes into play with the retirement communities is because um you know they don't there's just not a lot of ventriloquists in the area so it's a it's a great thing it's refreshing to them to see mm-hmm. a different type of art form than a musician um and it's it's a different uh it's a different pace than what they're used to as well and i find that uh, by offering clean comedy, it it offers an outlet for them to be able to laugh and enjoy, and I also do walk around too, where the, the, uh, uh, residents of the retirement communities get to talk one-on-one with the puppets. Mm -hmm. And that's a great time because I also get to sharpen my improvisation skills.
4: Are you, are you dead? (laughs) Do you need CPR? Oh, well that depends who's given.
2: Oh, I hope it's
4: that lady over there. Hello, Nissy. You look like my future tricks laugh. All right, hold on. What? Some of them are just now getting it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, why don't you go ahead and, and uh, tell everyone how uh, how you got here? How I got here? Yes. Well, uh, when a man loves a woman. No, 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 no. No. I, I, I mean how, how you got here at the, uh, uh, the ben Haven uh, ben Haven uh, convention. Oh, I don't know, did I lose a day? No. No, you're not even the gambling type, Mervin. Well, I'm not here with you, aren't I? No. Oh. Tell everyone what you told me before we came on stage, wh- why you're here. Oh, you know that sketchy or center I go to? Shady folks? Yeah!
2: <laughs>
4: well, I'm, well, I'm practicing for their talent show. Oh, that's great. What's it called? Date night? <laughs> date night? yeah. Marvin, how's that a talent show? Landon, when you're as old as I am, yeah, getting a date is a talent.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. So I noticed in some of the videos I've seen of you at work, your improv skills are quite good and, uh, and, and make for some very funny moments. Uh, do you want to introduce us there to Mervyn? Is he sure. on hand, sure. so, literally? Uh, please
0: please <laughs> let me welcome a local retirement home resident and self-claimed ladies' man, Mervyn Young. All right, come on out. Oh my gosh! I was taking a bath. No. <laughs> yes. You got all your clothes on. Well, I was going through a slim. All right. Introduce yourself. My name is Mervyn. Merzen, Young. Yeah. Yay. Hey. Hey.
1: Yeah, So. Where are we?
0: We're, <laughs> We're on an interview. Oh, cool. Yeah.
1: Hey. hey. Mervyn, I understand you're a little bit of a ladies' man, there, mate. Yeah.
0: Well. I don't like to classify the thine myself as a ladies' man. Yes,
2: you do. Hush.
0: All right. But, you know, I will not deny the ladies what they want. <laughs>
1: yeah. So. I'm
0: nice like that, sure.
1: <laughs> so what are some of the um, challenges of creating the character and... And obviously, Mervin's probably doesn't see himself as a character right now. He's probably alive and sure. and probably insulted by the sense that he's a puppet.
0: Well, we would like to use the term mannequin and larrikin.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> right. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, I create a character profile, which is basically uh, a bunch of questions that you ask yourself that determine the character. Um, it helps you figure out who the character is. And then some of that character profile... Bleeds into the actual bit in the show. He does, sure. Like how you, uh, you know, how you're a ladies' man. Yeah. And how you're a retiree. Uh huh. And uh, we actually wrote a new bit where it talks more about uh, about his retirement home. Yeah. Which is shady folks. Shady folks. Yeah.
1: Retirement home. That's
0: his. That's his sketchy retirement home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we go into into that and what makes it sketchy. Yeah. I like it though. It's great
1: so the process of interacting with the puppet do you ever get that wrong where you're saying something and he's saying something and have you ever mixed it up and and and
2: well sometimes it gets
0: tongue-tied <laughs> sometimes i have so much in my mind just of what i need to have him say like if i'm doing a TikTok and i didn't write what i what i need to say down uh we'll go back and forth and sometimes i'll get tongue-tied and he'll just look at me and uh, i like to look it in the disapproval. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Cause you don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. He always messes up. I don't though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, so, yeah. <laughs> but so. that's actually one of the most famous tick tocks, right. Is the one where you messed
2: up. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So you talked about him having, um, teeth and things that, and, and other props that I've noticed with some sure. of your puppets that one of your female puppets has a patch over the eye and, uh, occasionally loses an eyeball and he loses teeth so when he puts his teeth in or has put his teeth in in the past
2: yeah
0: yeah yeah that's patty patty yeah mm. yeah patty is a uh is a character that is the uh uh more of my uh an adult character as well she's an older lady than mervyn yeah yeah yeah, and uh, she actually originated from a joke that that is in the act with Mervin, where he talks about Patty, um, as this other lady that lives with him in the retirement center. Okay. Shady folks, right? Yeah, where life needs death. Okay, <laughs> it's a <the> slogan. <smoke. laughs>
1: that is a slogan. It's a good slogan.
0: Um. But yeah, yeah. So I I like to add little little tricks into my puppets since I'm a puppet builder. Um. Of course, Mervin's got the eyebrows here. Yeah. And I built I built this Mervin and I built Patty. Um. And she's got an eye patch and an eye that falls out, and it's a false eye. Yeah. And uh, there's just a bunch of gags that I like to build into my puppets because it makes them more fun. And uh, anytime I can add, a lot of the gags are for audience reaction. So Mervyn never has teeth. No, but I actually uh, bring out the teeth and the toupee as a means of helping him get the ladies. Mm-hmm. Does it work out? Not really. No, no. But uh, And I think that the first version I did of that is on, on YouTube somewhere. At the Venture Lucas Convention, yeah. With the older version of me. Right, it was with the older older version of Mervyn. We don't talk about him. No, he's he's off somewhere else. He's in a little place. <laughs> he's not dead, he's in Florida. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay.
1: Did you sell him on to someone? Is someone using him or no I haven't? What happened actually, with him? Recycle? I, I yes. Yeah,
0: you know, it, it's it's funny. I, I took the the last design and I modified it. I made them a little lighter and made some th- made some improvements, and then I just put them, put the old one on a shelf. The old Durizen is on a shelf somewhere. Right. Right.
1: Oh, yeah. So, how do you come up with the when you're making a puppet? They've got mannerisms, and you've got to give them some character. So, does, is that trial and error, or are you actually in the process of building, are you considering how they move and what? Like you've given him some floating eyebrows there to give him the ability to. Yeah, to move. So, so what are your thoughts when you're creating those?
0: Sure. So, uh, whether I'm creating a, a puppet for myself or for a client, ooh, da di da. I like to make sure that uh, I have a few adjectives that describe the character. I wanted Mervin to look um, old, but where he could also have multiple expressions, which is why I gave him the eyebrows, because you know he can he can start out in the bit where he's asleep and then progress from there um you know with uh Jackie who is who is here as well he's my jackalope character he's a new character and um he originated from a voice that I found out I could do um and I wanted a puppet that would match that voice and I was talking to one of my friends and he said well what about a jackalope i've never seen that done as a ventriloquist so it 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 kind of uh, it kind of varies um, but i would say typically i'll take a few adjectives that that most fit a puppet and I'll take those adjectives and then draw out a few ideas, pick the one that works best for me, or send them to the client. The client will pick out the best one they like, and then I'll go from there. And usually the voice is, is also considered within the first stages before I build a puppet.
1: Mm-hmm. And so how long have you been doing the puppet building, and how did that come about?
0: <sighs> Mervyn, wait, 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 where am I? We're doing an interview. Yeah, yeah. I've just been asked a question. Oh, Okay. So what I'm going to do is off again and just sit right here. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. What was your question? I
1: was was asking when did the process of building puppets start for you and, and uh, how long have you been doing it?
0: Oh sure. So I started building puppets in 2017 and I've always had an artistic sense. I like to sculpt. I like to draw and color, but I've never really taken a proper art class. Um, And I have a friend who's a puppet builder, Langston Hatch, and he said, you know what? You should try puppet building. I'll send you some patterns. I think you'd enjoy it. And I said, okay, I'll give it a a go. And he sent me some patterns, and I I worked off of those. I built, uh, I believe, a troll. I built a troll puppet. It sold um, because I did a video with that puppet, and it sold to a guy named Joe Gandelman, who I'm Mm -hmm. now very good friends with, and I've built numerous puppets for. And um, I've just... Taken my craft and I study what other people do. And at the ventriloquist convention, which I attend every year, I have a vendor's table. So I'm able to talk to other vendors to see what their techniques are. And I'm also part of the uh, Soft uh, Puppet Makers Guild. And we all talk about techniques and, and share tips and, and things like that.
2: And
1: that's pretty cool. So Mervyn yeah. looked a little bit tired there. So we might let him go have his nanny naff. Is that <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, it's a mini nap, but it's
0: also past my town, so the nap runs into my bedtime, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, so we
0: will put you away, okay? Right. Bye. Hey, hey. Right.
1: I'll set you over here. So, so the bringing of the characters to life, and obviously you've got to create a character, you've got to create or give it a voice. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you ever see voices bleed in by accident to the character that you've got, where you you end up sort of? recognizing, oh, no, that's the wrong voice that I'm moving into there, or not really?
0: It it depends, and that's a great question because sometimes, uh, you know, your vocal register is only so broad. So with, like, Patty, who's my uh, older lady character, she's got a real gruff voice. She's a smoker, and so she's got a super gruff voice, which is takes a lot of practice as a ventriloquist, of course. But differentiating that voice from... Uh, Mervin is very easy because Mervin is a lower voice, but he's he's higher, much higher than that. Um, I think I have difficulty sometimes in differentiating Mervin's voice with Jackie because um, Jackie is kind of near Mervin, but I I I uh, change my vocal cords a little bit and I I punch up certain words when I talk as Jackie to vary from Mervin. Essentially, you can take one voice and by adding an accent or um, by changing it in some way or another, turn it into two or three other voices, which is really neat. You just have to just takes a lot of practice. But I think that the voices are very important because that that's another factor that it's uh, people. People might not point it out that are in your audience. Um, They might. But if if the character's voice is very different than yours, then it makes it that much more believable. so it's just one of those things that that I work on.
1: You've mentioned your dad a couple of times in the conversation. Sure. So he's obviously a soundboard and, and, and has been a big supporter of of you. I know that he's behind a lot of the yes. video camera work on the, uh, on when you've been on some of the stages. So where's he involved in this with you in helping you pursue your passion?
0: Sure. So, uh, I have a, a, a mother and a sister too, and they're very, they're my at home support system. Um, my dad has been there in helping me write material. Uh, I'll bring him puppets when I'm working on them and get it, just getting another set of eyes really helps because uh, sometimes I'm working so intensely on a project that I'm able to, unable to see something that's obvious to the uh, normal naked eye. Um, he, he's been there from the start. He's been very supportive. He was never one of those dads. Both of my parents have been very supportive, but he was never one of those dads where he's like, no, you should play sports. He's like, well, if you enjoy this, then do it, but I want to see that you're committed to it. And I have been, because I I really enjoy it. And he's been there every step of the way.
1: Mm -hmm. So the writing of the material, uh, what's the evolution for you? Because again, I've seen some of your work and how much fun is that process and how frustrating can it be too in trying to develop a a, a set?
0: Sure. Um, I'm still figuring that out. Uh, It's at the beginning... It took a lot of time, uh, and, and writing as a comedy writing is a muscle um, that I'm constantly working on. Uh, sometimes I'll get little sparks. Uh, I was in the dentist chair uh, a few weeks back, and I had a, a new idea for Mervin that involved Mervin to my right, and then there was an urn, and the whole bit was between him, me, and why this urn was there, and I typed up the bit like i had it memorized even though i just created it on the spot and then i and then i tweaked it later that night and then i talked to one of my friends who's a writer and he helped me with it so it can be something that's just in the moment that's a that's an inspiration um sometimes it's it's a lot more of a deliberate process where you have to think about certain things uh with the jackalope character which i'll introduce later um jackie he uh, he's a jackalope, but you have to find a way where the character relates to the audience because mm-hmm. comedy is all about being able to relate to whoever, whoever's up there or whoever is in your audience. Um, so it really just depends on what the character is and, and being able to relate. Uh, with. Uh, for kids' comedy, I do a lot of situational comedy where the puppet's doing something and I don't know about it or um, you know, it's just more goofier type stuff. But with the more adult comedy, uh, it's more set-up punch or... Um, an innuendo or something more mm-hmm. of that nature, where it requires more thought.
1: The the puppets deliver the punchline, so you the delivery yeah. as a human. When I imagine you're delivering a punchline and telling people a joke, you're animated. You can animate that, and it's almost an act. But to create something that's in and in, inanimate and give it life, where it's sure. facial expressions, its hand movements, and all those things, um, you know how it's postured, uh, the pace at which it delivers a joke how much practice goes into the delivery of getting a puppet to actually deliver that punchline?
0: That is a great question. And it falls into your earlier question because it's all about the character. So if you have the character established, it's that much easier because you know how he would, he would say something. Um, if I'm, you know, if I have Mervin say something about my hair, um, he's an older character. Uh, older people are usually more critical about the youth today Mm-hmm. So he might say it coming from the standpoint of, well, I know what's better and what you should do. Um it's also it's also the character of uh usually when laugh at the end. It's just kind of his thing. Um I formed this hey hey type of laugh that he does. Um and it's and it and that the laugh that Mervin does in itself is a joke cuz it gets a response from the mm-hmm. audience and they enjoy it. But um I think it's I think the way a puppet delivers a joke is is uh, sometimes it's how the joke's written you have to have it delivered like this um but it's also uh it's also uh formed from the character and the way mm. that the character with the way that it works best for the character to deliver that joke sometimes you can also add a pause too um if i say something and then the character looks at me pauses and then goes you know or it says it to the audience you know mm-hmm. so it's who
1: who else have you got there that can join us uh, in oh, the sure. interview, who, sure. who can we speak to?
0: Um, yeah, so I'll introduce Jackie, I was talking about him, he's my jackalope, so let me get him. Alright. Come on out here. Hi! lines Jackie, and I'm a jackalope! Ain't that right, kid? All right. Yeah, this is Jackie, and he is a jackalope. I think my ears might get cut off, I think you're Okay. Okay. And he is a jackalope. Yes, he is the one of the few jackalopes to exist. As humans, like out my entire
2: species. Whatever.
1: (laughs) So, is so is Jackie a uh, geared around your your childhood audience or an adult audience, or does he have a?
0: interesting he's he's uh, i'm a jackalope of all trades yeah he uh, he works for kids i i i do him in my boy scout show i have a a boy scout show i do and i also am uh, gearing to use him for adults yeah. so i've got a plethora of material yeah.
1: and he's another creation of yours yeah
0: yes yeah i, I built him uh, a few weeks back
1: Mm-hmm. So now he's a new character and you're developing him for a show. When you're creating him, are you thinking about the show as well already? Are you, as you're creating sure. and putting him together, are you thinking about possibilities?
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, I, and that's why I created, uh, my main show that I do for retirement communities and uh, I even do for families is called Landon Harvey's One Man Variety Show really that's fun. thank you yeah and uh, that variety show is an amalgamation of a bunch of puppets that do not belong together but somehow are oh so it's variety right yeah and jackie here yes is uh, my joke telling jackalope right yeah so he tells we have a few jokes that he tells and um i introduce him as a jackalope and we kind of go into that of course the bit's still new but it's uh it's a lot of fun. No worries. I, I, I don't think you built me a brain yet. <laughs> We're working on that. Yeah, mostly just stuffing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm so lightheaded. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: So when you're creating, when you're creating your your characters, obviously mm-hmm. you're putting your hand inside them and create and controlling aspects. Um, there's controls in there. How, like you've got a number of puppets and you had Scooter. Um, mm-hmm. Who I believe is one you purchased. So, w- what's the yes. difference? And you've Skeeter's got. the only one I didn't build. <laughs> yeah. So, we might talk about him because I can throw back to some of the footage of you um, doing, using him in your shows. Why have you chosen this form of uh, soft puppet? To Is it is it make life easy to, to actually use these, or is it actually harder to use them? If
0: something happens to them, it's easy to fix. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a whole workshop here at home. Um, they're they're so different from the typical hard figure I still use scooter in my show because uh, it's just a different feel in the audience it they' it's more realistic because it's got a bunch of different movements as you see you've probably seen in the video scooter can blink and do a bunch of these other other things but what I like about a, a puppet like this is because they're made of foam you can do a lot more I can sure I can fly No, you can't fly come on Ta-da! now come on back up uh, but he's he's a lot lighter than a scooter is, so you can uh, he's great if you do walk around because kids can hug him or they can you know high five him. Um, you can do a lot more of physical comedy. Uh, Jeff Dunham's Peanut, he has Peanut fly off of his arm during the show, mm-hmm. and you couldn't do that with a hard figure. Uh, so there's there's limitations to each puppet. Um, but the reason why I use mostly soft puppets is because I can add little. Um, mechanisms like on mervin's eyebrows that's a movement i can add that it'll make him look more alive but then i also have him as a soft puppet and so i'm less worried about you know having him break um patty my older lady character she's got a lip sneer so i add these little hard figure um uh, mechanics into a soft puppet so i don't have to worry as much about that breaking Mm. all
2: right
1: yeah. So I think a lot of people grow up with puppets like The Muppet Show and you know Sesame yeah. Street and, and things like that. And uh, there yeah. is an affinity that there's a lot of people scared of clowns, but I don't know too many people are scared of, of puppets or puppetry. But uh, do you find that when you're engaging with younger kids that you become invisible to them and the puppet becomes real?
0: it's with all audiences i've become invisible but that's good because that means that you're doing your job yeah you're in little scenes those little, are little, your entire existence well <laughs> yeah but uh it means that that the puppet is alive and that the character is strong enough to have a conversation with with someone mm-hmm. um and that's a lot of fun and that's important with i focus too because as jackie stares at you you want to make sure that i'm talking to you, you and i'm looking at you right yeah so, um, yeah, I, I get wrapped up into it too, especially with kids. Because uh, you, you talk to kids differently. Um, you don't talk down to them, but you, you have a way that you talk to kids that differs from when you talk to adults. So that's And that's what I love about uh, doing different shows for different audiences.
1: Do you ever find, particularly when you're walking around and you're in improv, you know, mode, I guess you finish your set uh-huh. that, that you get a flow on with the character and yourself that you, do you ever take material that's come out of improv and say that might work in a set?
0: Yes, uh, that does happen. Um, I don't have a lot of established pieces. I have a few. And from that, I've, I've sparked um, uh, things have come from that material. Uh, Patty came from a bit I did with Mervyn. That went well and I thought, well, what if I actually showed the character at the end? That's how she was created and why she was created. Wow. Yeah. And um but I have I have done uh done improvisation. Uh I I have Mervyn call out a lady from the audience. He's down there. Yeah. Is he dead? No, he's asleep. Oh, okay. And uh he calls a lady from the audience and he does a little back and forth kind of uh a chat with her and that kinda stemmed from improvisation. And then I thought, you know what? That's a great thing. I should have him do that every show, and then have him bring her up. And so that's what I've—that's what I I've started doing. So definitely, I, there's a lot of improvisation in my show that—that that, uh, just kind of comes from from improvisation,
1: right? Yeah. Who else have you got there that you might be able to share with you? Got anyone else? Any other characters, to me?
0: What is a talking jackal? Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, yes. People but people so so desensitized to the television. I'm, I've got another character if you want to see him.
1: Yeah, I'm conscious of, of the Jackalope's time. So.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Rather, I'll set you down, Jackie. Okay, hold over there. I'll
1: set you up. So how many puppets does a ventriloquist actually have in their act? And I've noticed with a lot of ventriloquists, they tend to just master a, a handful of puppets you see them they they not once they've got a handful of puppets um they tend to create new material for them as opposed to go con- constantly grabbing new characters sure
0: yeah that's that's exactly right you nailed it um it, it honestly it kind of goes back to it depends on the ventriloquist i like to say it depends on how good of a ventriloquist you are because typically um people are always on to the next puppet oh what's my next puppet going to be and they don't focus on their technique or the character. And that's when you see a ventriloquist, and you're like, oh, well, they weren't that good. That's because they have a bunch of puppets, but they, the puppets are not characters. A character is something that, that you breathe life into through performing it. Um, I've got multiple characters. Jeff Dunham has, I think, around like eight or something like that. Uh, he's got like four that he mainly uses. Uh, Terry Fader has got a bunch, but he also does impressions. So he has like probably five main characters that are... like true to his his show and then he's got other characters that are puppets based off of celebrities Mm -hmm. um so that's totally so is he he
1: is he the one that has like elton john and people like that yes yeah yes he's got an
0: elton john character and and uh willie nelson and sammy davis jr and he's got a bunch of celebrity puppets
1: so his voice work and voice technique would be probably interesting to see because i guess he has to try and breathe some of the sounds that those stars would actually have um into life so so you're adding another layer of layer of complexity as a ventriloquist when you're trying to mimic potential stars and not only as a puppet some of their mannerisms but also Mm -hmm. people are probably going to want to hear a little bit of their voice in there
0: sure you definitely that's exactly it um He's he has the rare talent of being able to impersonate famous singers, and he paired that with ventriloquism, and it, that's what got him uh, to win America's Got Talent, and that's why he has a uh, an amazing show in Vegas. I've seen it a few times, and it's 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 truly amazing. He does uh, I don't I don't know the number, but it, he does a lot. There's a lot of impressions. And uh, he'll take songs and turn them into parodies, but sing them like the original artist sang the song. So that that also adds a comedic aspect to it that's a lot of fun.
2: Hmm. But I
0: think the neat thing about having a character that's already a celebrity is that you don't have to work as hard to establish the character. Now, you might have to work... Because the character is familiarized already with the audience. Um, not saying that he doesn't work hard. He does, very hard. And And... He writes material for the characters and, and, and performs them and everything else, but um, but there's a different um there's a different level there when you have to introduce a totally new character to an audience. Where, you know, you're saying, please welcome, you know, my puppet, you know, Elton John. You know, people already know who Elton John is, what he's famous for, and have kind of a context of the character before you even have to bring him on stage.
1: Hmm. How many puppets are you working with at the moment?
0: <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I've got I think two or three that I do uh, that I have just as like my uh, kid show puppets that I say I really don't use these guys except for kids shows and like library shows and things of that nature. Um, I have I'd like to say uh, around like five that I that I use that I'm, I'm keeping to. Um, but I don't use five in a show. I use around three in a show. I do like 30 or 45 minute shows. and uh, it, it just depends on the audience. Um, I'm hoping to to master. To have it where it's Patty, Bill, and Mervin, or Patty, Bill, and Jackie for my adult show. That's another thing I'm working on is having more of an adult show. Um, so it's it's just finding the character in the audience, um, as well as coming up with a character that's original and that hasn't been done before, uh, which is difficult. And, you know, if it was easy, everyone would do it, so... It's uh that's something I think about a lot is you know what's what's different? what hasn't been done how can this how can I pull comedy out of this situation of me up here with this this guy next to me and or
1: girl? so how how do you find um linking the storylines between puppets because obviously you've created Paddy. now here's Mervyn trying to get um a woman from the audience. He probably technically already has a woman, but yeah, he's not yeah. probably even aware about it aware of it
0: he's he's all mervin's all over the place and that's his character so i i kind of allow that but uh and that's that's a great question um you know uh patty and and, and mervin uh patty was created from a bit that i've 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 honed that I've, I've done for retirement communities and different events uh with mervin and that's how she was created and then um but the bit that I did with Mervin, Mervin had a dog, <laughs> so there's a whole other puppet. There's a two puppet bit, and the dog's name is Muffin, and Muffin's previous owner was Patty, and Patty was just this character with an eye patch and a one leg. Sometimes they called her Pirate Patty at the retirement home, and I thought that, that would be a really, that'd be a really funny puppet and the gears in my head were turning, and I, I told myself, you really shouldn't build this. You don't have enough time to flesh it out. And I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll worry about the details later. I'm gonna build the puppet. And I built the puppet, and it was exactly like how I drew it and how I imagined it. Uh, but she had to be older than Mervyn, um, cause I wanted there to be some type of variance in their age, Um, that way they, they didn't look like like a TV show couple or something like that, cause they're not a couple. Hmm. Um. But they've dated in the past, and they've got their own backstory. And then all the other puppets really don't have any any reason to be there. Um, I kind of approach it more like uh, I'm the master of this variety show. Look what I've collected. I just found this jackalope. Um, please welcome that. He's I introduce him as this mysterious creature from beyond. And each time I try to further in showing how mysterious he is, he, you know, I, uh, you know, I say He's a very fierce creature from the wild, and he goes, Yeah, till I break a nail. So it's, you know, yeah. things things like that. But um, And then Bill, of course, who's my zombie character. Um, you know, I I watch a lot of cartoons. My friend Bob Rumba watches a lot of cartoons, which inspired me too, because you come up with ideas for characters and mm-hmm. the way that things are presented that uh, you just don't see in everyday life. That's, so that, that inspires me as well.
1: I was going to say that's an in- interesting inspiration is to watch cartoons, but I guess it does make sense because... Cartoons, again, fictional characters created Mm -hmm. from a concept as opposed to reality, sometimes inspired by reality and real people. But the storylines and and they are there to normally bring a smile to people's faces um, or tell a story, but again, uh, create a creative type of uh, storytelling. So to hear you say that um, wouldn't be something I'd normally consider. But can we uh, meet Patty perhaps and... And have a Patty, chat with yeah. Patty.
0: She's over here. She was napping, of course, before Marvin says, let me go get her. Uh, please let me welcome uh, Patty. All right. I was asleep. Yeah. Who is that honk of Nanny right there? How you doing, hon?
1: Can she actually I see me? Like... She's got a patch on her eye. So
0: I can see. This isn't an eye patch. It's a... Uh, it's a sleeping mask for my lazy eye. <laughs> uh, I, have, I still have one good eye. And I, and I looking at you?
2: You are. It's, okay.
0: Good.
1: I was going to say, if she uh, thinks I'm a bit of a hunk, then she's uh, got eyesight problems. But anyway, so that's all good.
0: Well, you know, it's 50-50. But what do you look for in a man? I'll pulse?
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, got a lot of work to her there. Well,
0: I'm older, right? Yeah.
1: So. so you, you said you create a character and you draw them first. So what's your drawing skills in the sense of, uh, you know, obviously that's a blueprint and the prototype, how, how long the process of trying to draw what you're going to create? Cause she looks.
0: Arthur arthritis just kicks in. All right. Yeah. Um, you know, with Patty, since I kind of already had an idea, it, it really depends on how, how, uh, well, the idea is in my head. Um, sometimes I'll talk with a client, and and they'll say, you know, I want this, this, and this, and I'll I'll do a few drawings, and I have a and I have an idea from that. Uh, with Patty, there were a few things that I wanted her to have. Uh, I wanted the the hair like this. Of course, the she's got one leg that you can't see. Yeah, it's down there. Yeah. Uh, do you have a prosthetic leg? It's on layaway. Layaway, okay. Um, anyway, um, and of course she has an she has an eye patch. So there were certain features, and also she's also got. Uh, if you're familiar with Wayland Flowers, uh, he was popular as a puppeteer and a comedian, and he had a character named Ma- uh, Madame, and she has uh, some uh, qualities of Madame in her. Which was really cool, and I wanted to kind of translate that in it as an homage to Whalen because I'm a big fan of his work as
2: well
1: hmm I can see you're talking about the jawline being misaligned there that she's got this this part of a character where it's intentionally not not uh straight, so
0: well, i you don't age symmetrically, <laughs> yeah, I scroll right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So yeah, so how how long have you had her as a character in your shows? Like when did you create her?
0: Oh, that's a good question. When did you? Uh you know, I I've had uh I've I've had I've I think I booked Patty uh I five months ago about
2: yeah, it was
0: about five months, yeah. And uh, I I actually haven't introduced her into my show yet she's something that i've only shown on tiktok really yeah and because uh, i i'm not i don't want to introduce her until i feel like she's ready mm-hmm. and uh and so i've been doing a few jokes with her on tiktok and things like that getting her character fleshed out um but she's more of an adult uh character and she's not exactly the character that i would use uh, for families or for um even uh retirement homes uh, retirement communities maybe uh, because uh, they're more of a, a younger audience because there's just the the age range is, is broader than a retirement home. Um, but i'm I'm still working on Patty's character, but the uh, the look and of course the material all goes into that in and practicing and, and seeing how
3: she, how she would say certain things.
1: Yeah, no that's really good. She's got a lot of character too, which uh, in a in a puppet you've done a lot of good work there. So you can see oh, the man. hair and the and the hat and mm-hmm. you've probably got the ear right and I think you can certainly see that she's definitely older than Mervin. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah she she is uh she is older. Um and I and I think that's I think that's important because I didn't want it to uh I didn't want it to look like she was the the girl version of Mervin. I wanted her to be her own thing, and she's my only female character, um, because I—it's—it's it's hard to relate from a comedic aspect to a to a female character, and so the only way that I—the only reason I have Patty is because she goes with Mervin, and I don't do them on stage together, but she alludes to Mervin as Mervin alludes to her. Yes, uh, you'll never see me on stage with Mervin. know. we used to be a couple. That's great. Yeah, but it was a, it was a. A summer thing. Oh, yeah. Many years ago. Well, it was last summer. Oh, I actually had a special announcement. Oh, really? Yes. I have given up vaping. That's very good. Yeah. I found out it's bad for your health. I'm I'm, I'm very glad you gave it up. I now only smoke. Okay. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I, I saw somewhere where, and I don't know whether it was in one of the videos or on your website where you entertained your grandparents um, when you were younger with, and you said family, yeah. but, but is that part of your inspiration by any measure to like, like, cause you are doing some retirement homes and uh, communities and things did you see something um with that experience engaging with your grandparents that you you revisit or relive when you do and work with older uh, audiences
0: that's a good question and i've never really thought about that um they always my i have very, i have very supportive grandparents as well and uh you know and i did block parties for them and their community as well and things like that um but they're they're younger for grandparents uh, so they're not, you know, uh, I don't know how to say, is it senile? Yeah. They're not, they're they're with it, right? Yeah, they still have their and then their love, right? Yeah. So um, so you know, sometimes when I do like retirement homes, it's more for like like memory care or things like that, where uh, they just like to feel happy, and it's more like, oh well, look, it's something else to look at, and you know, uh, there's this one lady that I've that I've gone. I'll, take Marvin to their retirement home, and she'll she'll ask him the same thing three times in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so will Northern. You can't remember there. <laughs> so I stopped dating him. Well, you're older for your age. Yeah, but I, I still have my memory intact. Really? I can't remember. Okay. Um, but but yes, yeah, so it, it you know of course it it, it varies with the audience. But uh, there's some a- there are some aspects. I mean my my grandparents were very supportive and they enjoyed the ventriloquism as well. Um, they're familiar with you know Jimmy Nelson. He actually recently passed away, but uh, I got to meet him at the ventriloquist convention. And of course Edgar Bergen, who was before uh, before Jimmy Nelson's time. And so there there been a, uh, a cascade of ventriloquists throughout the years that have um, been present that everyone can relate to in one way or another.
1: Hmm. Where do you hope to be with this in, you know, like you, you look at your age, you're now 19, you've, you're You've right. a puppet maker and, and you are mm. making your name, I guess, for yourself already there because people are obviously purchasing your puppets and uh, yes. commissioning puppets as well. So you're they're sitting and, con, you know, communicating with you on concepts and you're coming up and delivering ideas around the character for those individuals. So how um and you've been doing that in the last two years i think you indicated so so things seem to be moving fast for you but what's a bit of an end game for you because some of these full-time ventriloquists are quite well known have their own you know specials and things on tv is that something that is the ultimate for someone in your industry
0: i don't know if i mean I, i would assume everyone would like to be as famous as jeff dunham um in my in some people don't. Some people just enjoy doing the occasional, you know, Boy Scout show. Um, the, you know, uh, it depends on kind of where you're at with your, with your career and where you see it going. Um, I've been passionate about this since, since a young age, and I love building puppets, and I love expressing that creativity from my workshop to on stage. And uh, being able to take an idea and run with it is a powerful thing. And being able to have the audience laugh at something you wrote is, is a power in itself. And so I would, I would love to, uh, to be able to have my own show one day. I'd love to be a household name. I'd love to be recognized. Um, and I'd love to be able to mentor the, the next generation after me and to see everything that ventriloquism has to offer. I think that uh, as I progress in my career, um, the way that I'll uh, offer a different perspective to ventriloquism is I'll give it more theatrics. Um, there's a ventriloquist by the name of David Strassman. He does it very well. His show is more like a theater show that happens to include ventriloquism and i think that's what mine's going to be like um as well of course with my own twists and uh, and your own characters right yeah and uh, with my own characters and uh so i think i've I've taken inspiration from those those different uh uh, performers that i've grown up with
1: hmm so you've got bill as well you said there so we might bring him out and uh if If Patty doesn't um, mind losing some of the limelight.
0: Oh, that's, that's fine. I, I'll sleep in the shadow. All right. I'll go down here. Yeah. It looks like a puppet massacre. All right. Come on. So, yeah, so this is a, another character I have, um, and he is a zombie and, uh, let me get him out. He's doing a zombie groan. No, I'm constipated. (laughs) Introduce introduce yourself. What? Introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Bill
3: and I'm a zombie.
1: (laughs) I don't think Bill will have a problem with uh, contracting coronavirus because he's obviously got... He might be a little bit sick
0: as a zombie there. Yeah, no, I'm not. Well, I'm kind of worried about it. I haven't even got my flu shot yet. <laughs> I think you have anything to be worried about, Bill. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not worried about constipation either. Now, anything I eat goes right through me. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Yeah.
1: So, so how does uh, someone like Bill come about as a concept? Because you've you've got human characters, uh, and now you've evolved into you know someone who's semi-deceased. So you've gone at the the next level of old, I guess.
0: Well, you know, Bill is Bill is a zombie. Hey, I identify as living. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, uh, the creation of Bill, uh, I had it start. Everything starts with an idea, right? Um, so I thought it would be funny to take something intimidating, and uh, contrasts are often funny in comedy. So I thought. Uh, zombies were, were big at the time. And I think they they still are depending on how you introduce it. But, um, you know, you have things like The Walking Dead and all of, all of that on TV. And I thought, I should have a zombie character that's like a whiny. Because they're always groaning and they're always like moaning about having to... I don't even know why they moan. It's because we have to walk everywhere. Yeah. In our their
2: feet. Yeah.
0: Why don't you have shoes? I don't know the soul. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Bad joke, well, you ruined it, all right. Um, so I thought it would be funny to have a, a, a whiny zombie. And, you know, what is he? why is he whiny? Well, he's got a lot of personal problems, and in the, in the bit, which is... Uh, Bill is actually the current character that I'm working on, um, and I'm having a lot of fun, fun with it. Um, but we talk about uh, how Bill was summoned for the apocalyptic uprising, but... Very scheduled. Right, yeah. So uh, he's trying to find a new purpose. And uh, we go through a few different ideas on what he could do. I, you know, I talk about how it's difficult for him to get a job because he's got an odd odor, a creepy presence, and the ability to make people feel uncomfortable when they're around him. <gasps> I could be an Uber driver. <laughs> you couldn't be an Uber driver. You're all skin and bone. I could be a uh, You, <laughs> You don't have a brain. <gasps> I could be a politician. All right, that's enough. <laughs> and so we go through a few ideas and then I, I introduce you know why, don't, why doesn't he do what I do and so Bill tries to do some prop comedy which is he's got a little casket off to the side and he pulls I pull out props uh, from his casket that he talks and makes jokes about so uh, it's kind of like if you've seen the comedian carrot top kind of like that mm-hmm. that we end the bit with and uh, and uh, it's pretty fun I'm having a lot of fun with it there's also some audience interaction toward the end of the bit
2: yeah it's in development right yeah
1: i noticed in your early version of mervyn you had him holding a donut at one of the conventions and you said to everyone uh check under your chair um everyone gets a donut and everyone's standing up and looking underneath their chair and there's (laughs) mervyn's laughing his head off saying um i got him with that one so so how important is the audience interaction and i noticed when you first come out introducing yourself and your puppets you really trying to drive that audience interaction early
0: yeah definitely yeah and you know it's, it's funny because i did that that year and then the next year uh, every there were probably like 10 kids that performed the junior mic everyone that went up asked how the audience was doing and it was really funny because it was like one after each kid was like how are we doing tonight and it's like 12 in the afternoon so it was really funny um but yeah, you know, it's uh, I I think the audience involvement, uh, especially as a ventriloquist, is important because uh, ventriloquism is, in a sense, it's kind of like magic, but it really isn't. Um, and so magicians pry off of, uh, they, they grow off of audience involvement and they need it. Um, for a ventriloquist, you have to find ways to get the audience involved, um, whether it's a puppet, you know, if Bill's hackling the guy in front of him, you know, Yeah, that guy looks dead and that's coming from me. Right, yeah. Um, you know, something like that. Or if it's, you know, um, we, I call up uh, someone to help out Bill at the end of the bit uh, because he's, uh, ha- he's, his arms are aching, and so they they help him do some stretches, and then they accidentally pull off his arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the good news is my arms no longer hurt. Right. The bad news is that my insurance says that being a zombie is a pre-existing condition. Right. Yeah. So in terms of audience involvement, being able, whether it's you know having a puppet talk back and forth with someone in the front row of the audience, or um, if it's pulling someone out of the audience and turning them into a puppet on stage, I have a vent mask and I turn them into a, a puppet and have them sing a song. Um, and I, di- I didn't really mean to have audience involvement in every bit that I have a puppet for, but it's, it's worked so well that I think I'm gonna continue doing it because it's another way uh, for the audience to get involved. And, um, which is, it's really important because magicians are able to do it with, with magic tricks and they already have the audience's attention. But sometimes when you have a difficult audience, you have to find a way to pull them in. And sometimes it could be, you know, I could heckle someone over here over there. Right. Yeah. Or talk about whatever. Right. Yeah. And, um, and then it'll get someone involved, you know, if I'm talking about, you know, so-and-so is a red shirt and he's wearing a red shirt, you know, everyone looks at him and then they look at what the puppet's going to say next. Mm. So that's just bringing the audience into it uh, while you improvise. And then you can kind of jump back to the uh, material that you have memorized, which is also important.
1: We'll start to wrap up because of time, but that's something I wanted to get to is, or, or ask because you just prompted me to. So uh-huh. with with your sets, there's a degree of improv improvisation and there's also, obviously, material that you have to memorize. How hard is it to sa- stay on task if you get a great idea for improvising, then to go back to the set? Like, how is challenging can that be sometimes? Have you ever lost the set because you improvised and then gone, oh, where was I?
0: <laughs> I have not. Uh, I've never lost a set. Um, I, I think there was once at Haven when I performed, uh, there was a few seconds of a pause, which feels like an eternity on stage, um, where I had, I had Mervyn interact with a lady in the front row and he was saying something and I, I couldn't remember what was next. So I had to cut it and then skip ahead in the script. And that's the only time that's ever happened. Uh, but sometimes when I'm rehearsing and it, this happens a lot, I'll, I'll have I'll work, be working on the character so much that he'll he'll start talking to me or even I'm doing a TikTok video and we'll go on some tangent about whatever. Um, so sometimes a lot of the impro- uh, improvisation is a result of maybe if I mess up and then the character says something else or, um, you know, someone in the audience does something or says something and then, you know, he... I have the characters say whatever, and then I I usually put a little staple of where we left off, so I can go, well, yeah, but you also, you know, are a a zombie, which is difficult in today's society, because blank, and then he goes, oh, yeah, and then I, you know, in in theater, it's like, uh, it's like the line before your line that prompts your line, Mm -hmm. but as a ventriloquist, it's hard, because it's all you, (laughs) Yeah. so... You know, it's just, it's just kind of falls under that practice category that we talked about earlier.
1: I imagine the technique and methodology, the breathing plays a massive role in your performance. Yes. Because you're issuing two different sounds, two different voices, and you're trying to make it conversational without the breathing. So what's the methodology? Is it I don't know, is it through the nose? Is it similar to playing instruments and things like that? Are you how are you drawing your, your breath? Yeah, breath. it's
0: it's mostly I yeah it's mostly through the I actually draw most through the through the mouth because when I do ventriloquism I I, I, I uh, clench my teeth together but my lips are slightly parted. Yeah, if you're doing it well, right? Yeah. Um. So it's it's mostly just breathing in air from uh your mouth. Um. Sometimes it's for the nose if you're doing a distant voice the nose is important. Um. C- to make it sound like it's far away. It, you're also um. Bigger. So it's kind of like a, like a voice like that, kind of like that. You know, I can't, it's it's hard to do because you have to have water and you have to prompt your voice, but mm-hmm. uh, you're, so going, that's... Uh, you're doing a softer uh, version of your normal ventriloquism voice.
1: So that's referred to as throwing your voice, isn't it? When you can get it, yes. make it sound like a distance. I think in a TikTok video, you had a fly in the car with you and you recorded the yeah. TikTok and, and you're going, I'm down here and, and you're like, where are you? It's It and, and ends up being a talking fly and you're interacting with this thing we can't see in the car that sounds like it's further away. So how how much practice does it take to actually throw your voice? Is it, is it more work?
0: You know, I would say it is. I think that is technically speaking of ventriloquism, aside from like the comedy and keeping the character alive. I think that's the most difficult thing, because if you can throw your voice, I believe Ron Lucas, he's a famous ventriloquist. He said that if you throw your voice, you have like a black belt in ventriloquism, Um, because what you're doing essentially is you're taking one voice and you're softening it to a degree that it sounds like it's coming from somewhere else. And there have been ventriloquists where they're just not able to do that in the moment. So they have it pre-recorded. So, you know, and everything's already set up, which is fine. But, um, you know, and I don't I do not do the dissident voice a lot. It takes practice. I think I had to do that video a few times before I recorded because to me, it doesn't sound like it's far enough since I'm creating the voice. So I have to watch myself over again and say, OK, that's good. Um, I remember a few years ago, I was called to audition for America's Got Talent. Um, and I when I did, I walked around in the room, the main room that you see on, uh, you know, when they do their their cuts on of the show where you see all the different contestants in there and they're they're all jamming out and and hanging out together and i i went up to someone and i said i'm a ventriloquist and they're like oh that's cool and i said can i see your water bottle and they go okay don't worry i'm not gonna drink it and i go you know this water isn't purified and they go what do you mean and i go well do you know what sea monkeys are and sea monkeys are this little critter that 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 kids used to have where they would they would pour this powder in and there would be this little like sea monkey thing that would float around um and i said th- those exist within this water it says purified but that's a lie and i'd unscrew the cap and i'd go hello hello
2: hello, hello? are you okay no, help me
0: okay and things like that and then and then i and then i tighten the lid back on yeah here's your water <laughs> and that was a lot of fun especially because they weren't expecting me to th- to throw my voice so i think it's it's a, definitely a lot of fun when they're not expecting it um And it's even better when you're, you know, when you practice it enough to where it actually sounds like something.
1: Are you doing any of that in your show at this stage or is it actually mastered? you still feel it's something that needs to be mastered?
0: You know, I still feel like it's something that I don't, I don't have any, uh, any distant voice in my show. Um, I think it's something that I, I probably will in the, in the future, but it's something that I'm I'm constantly I'm constantly working on and need to work on more. Yeah, you're killing me. Mm. Um, but but Bill would be great because his voice is already down there, so he's got a lower voice. So to do it even softer would be, the... you know, you're just taking it taking the volume down essentially. Mm. And yeah.
1: I, I know you mentioned Straussman before, and he actually uses uh, yes. Teddy and Chucky, and often one of them's in the I think it's Teddy might be in his in one of them's in their, um, their his bag or whatever, and. I think it's Teddy, actually, and he throws um, the, like between the two of them at times where one of them's talking, and they're not part of the show, but there's a reference, and you'll hear yeah. him throw to them talking out of the bag, more or less.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's something I, I really admire about Strassman is versus just taking the puppet and putting it back in the case. He's found a way where he can keep the character alive without even having to do anything. So he sets them in this chair that's in the chair space hmm. toward him, and this, the audience is already familiar with the character. So that he can have two characters talk while he has got a third one on his arm. Very clever, and I don't think I think he's the only one that's ever done that. Hmm. Super clever, and I admire him a lot for that.
1: Yeah, look, I really appreciate the time. Um, did you have anyone else you wanted to show us today, or yeah. have you gone through most of your characters? I think we've they're that's probably it, like yeah,
2: yeah, it's so. Us. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Look, I really appreciate you taking time to share your passion with our audience, and uh, I'll put links to you know your website and your puppet making and everything in the description, so that uh, our audience, if they're interested in getting into this, and and you got into it at a very young age, if if it's it's it is unique, there is a movement in the community um, built around it. Uh, people, are, you know, you can go online and see the conventions and can see the. Sure the uh, people who are producing puppets but it is a looks like a healthy interest for young people to get involved with um it and, is and a positive one in the community seems like you're all supporting each other so that's that's um that seems like a nice sort of uh passion to be involved with where you can really just uh, be yourselves without judgment
0: yeah it's it's definitely a very very knit community of Professionals and amateurs coming together every convention every summer, and um, if you ever want to learn ventriloquism, you can learn it uh, no matter you know what age you are. And uh, there's videos on YouTube, and there's also a course learn-ventriloquism.com. I highly reccom- recommend it. I actually use the course, still do this day. I refer back to it because it's it covers everything from character creation to learning how to how to do ventriloquism, and it's a great utility.
1: No to, worries. To All right. Landon Harvey, really appreciate your time today. Thanks All right, for thank giving
0: you so much, Craig, for having us.
1: No worries. Awesome, mate. I hope you liked this episode. If you did, please give it a thumbs up and feel free to comment. If you haven't yet subscribed, hit the subscribe button and the notification bell to be advised of new interviews when they're uploaded. I hope you join us again sometime. Catch you later.